Hey, welcome back to Intimate Interactions. Let's get back to discussing the ways we share love and intimacy with our fellow humans. Relationships, kink, polyamory, group sex, it's time to unlearn stigma and live our best lives as our best selves. All thanks to my amazing Patreon supporters. Intimate Interactions has no ads but this one. If you want to keep it that way, you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. You get access to exclusive premium content like all of my coping with jealousy stuff. And hey, if that makes you jealous of my patrons, it sounds like it might be time to sign up. Free resources are available at victorsalmon.com slash resources, and book recommendations are at intimatepodcast.com forward slash books. Also, my Patreon supporters don't have to listen to this ad. Now, let's talk about the episode. Stephanie is a woman of color who has been an engineer and an accountant. She identifies as an asexual or possibly a demisexual and is an ASMR content producer, which was my interest. Though no ASMR is produced in this episode, Stephanie does have a passion for travel and politics. She brings up the supposed deplatforming of Alex Jones, her thoughts on Ben Shapiro, gun rights, and antinatalism. I'm not sure if it comes up, but it's important to note the mandatory minimum sentencing for gun owners from the Harper government's tough-on-crime initiatives have all been overturned and no longer apply to any arguments. As you could guess, this is a more political episode than I'd usually record, and while it isn't exclusively focused on relationships or ASMR, we will get to that later, Stephanie is an interesting person to me, and I really appreciate how we're able to tackle really difficult topics from very different viewpoints and either agree to disagree, or one of us agrees to go away and do more research. I welcome you to experience Stephanie's passion and listen to us share, agree, and disagree. If you like the show, please tell a friend or write us a review and help other sex and relationship nerds find us. Hope you enjoy the episode. I was very quick to point out that free speech is about government specifically, um, and Stephanie was talking about how large Google and and Twitch and Facebook and Instagram and, and these large behemoth publishers have gotten, and how they represent almost... They kind of occupy these two interesting spaces where they're a fusion between a regulatory agency but also a publisher. So the argument that I was making to Stephanie um, was that... Help me out here. (laughs) (laughs) That... Well, clearly clearly I didn't make it very well. (laughs) 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 You can't remember it from five minutes ago. Um, Right. So, yeah. Right. The company should be allowed to make money. Yeah. And that they should be allowed to choose what content is associated with their brand. I am totally cool with that as long as they're straight up about the fact that things don't make money. I would prefer them, a company, to say, listen, it's just not profitable to bake gay dick cakes or whatever it is that they're fighting against. And I'd rather them say that. And I'd respect them for that because everybody's running a business here. We're here right. to make money. Right. What I dislike is when companies start to wade into the social sphere. Yeah. And they want to have it both ways. They want to make money, but they also want to be in the social sphere, but they don't want to be regulated. So in some what ways, what do you mean you by social sphere? They are basically giving their opinions on hot topics which they're perfectly fine to do it's branding yeah like that's how you make money you attract an audience by having opinions about specific things and saying even if you don't want at all Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. companies will stand and and deliver really rising funded paid for you know pr agency speeches Mm -hmm. about social topics because that's their brand it's Mm -hmm. just advertising that's fair so i mean you can you can say screw all these sjw's etc but 
they aren't even SJWs. You're talking about a company that's there to make profit, mm -hmm. and they want certain ideas associated with their brand to do so. Mm -hmm. To say that's a threat to free speech to me is to conflate two very different issues. Mm -hmm. That's my thinking. Hmm. I'll probably have to think a little bit more on what my thought process is on that. Sure. Part of the problem is that the intellectual dark web brought up the point of if people are wielding that sword to be yeah. able to cut people's careers off, mm -hmm. then what sort of context are we setting for people? Mm. And obviously, like you said, if we're conflating all these ideas together, maybe yeah. we really honestly have to have a conversation about what the rules are of these companies in our lives. Yeah. Are they strictly companies now? Or are they having to meet a specific standard? Right. Like, I drew the comparison with, say, Penguin Books or any major publisher. Mm -hmm. um, I can't go to them and say, you know, I've been writing for so long, you can't not publish my book, you have to publish it. If they're like, no, you're no longer one of our authors, then I'm not. Mm -hmm. I can always, if I get kicked off of, you know, um, Twitch, mm -hmm. go and stream on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Right? So there are lateral moves that, that folks can make, so it doesn't necessarily have to be career-ending. At the same time... No one's entitled to a career as a celebrity. You're an influencer if you have influence. And mm -hmm. the second you lose that influence, you are no longer an influencer. By virtue, any celebrity is in a very precarious, quote-unquote, career. That's fair, yeah. That's fair to say. I think, for example, Twitter, I'll bring up that case because that's an interesting one. And it was, let's say they have a term of service. Sure. And it's written, and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, it's written fairly clearly, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So what they've been accusing Facebook of doing is basically being fairly enforcement-oriented when it comes to what you would call ideas of the right mm -hmm. and very lenient when it comes to ideas of the left. Let me grab my curtains yeah, so yeah, I can sure, block sure. out some of this noise. Um, yeah, so... And lenient when it comes to ideas or left. Okay, so... So what they have actually done is... Alex Jones is a sure. good example. Cut him off. They've deplatformed him. Okay. What do you think about that? Have you heard of the Alex Jones case? I haven't heard anything of the Alex Jones case. But, like, in terms of deplatformed him, mm -hmm. do you mean, like, all the companies on the internet all got together, formed a consortium, and decided, we're going to boycott this person, this person's no longer going to be allowed? Because I would be against a consortium of companies coming up with a public blacklist. I would say... Has it been proven? Probably not yet, but just how it happened within that short span of time. Sure. And how what it was all of them. What did he get kicked out of? Everything. Like, he got kicked off of all of his platforms? Yep. I'm curious what would have what would have precipitated that. They said that he was making conspiracy theories about Sandy Hook. Okay. Okay. And they were using the fact that his followers were harassing parents of Sandy Hook victims. Oh, jeez. Yes. Now, of course, nobody wants that to happen. And when things translate into potential violence in the real world, we have problems. Right. But that's sort of like going back to the Eminem case. Before, Eminem would say, you know what? That's fine. Put a gun to someone's head and say, I told you to do it. You know, where's the line between, I said something. If some crazy person went and took that idea and then enacted violence, how are you going to say... Alex Jones should then be deplatformed de because he's inciting violence. When yeah. I was watching the content that he had with Joe Rogan on mm -hmm. this new 
iteration. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised at how, despite the fact that our, our ideologies are completely different, sure. when I could hear things from his own mouth, he was still manic and crazy, and maybe that's his style. Sure. But that's a stylistic thing. Sure. The Definitely. things he was saying, I, th- I thought he was actually quite apologetic to the Sandy Hook families. Okay. And he's apologized for some of the things that people have accused him of. So in certain ways, this is funny because I'm in the position of defending the right, which I would normally be like, they're so sure. ideologically different from me. But, no, but I'm it's, doing it's that. Good. It's good. It's good exercises. Yeah. This is a good exercise because that means I believe so much in free speech that... If Alex Jones is saying some wackadoodle shit, Mm -hmm. I'll fight for his right to say it. Sure. I would say in the marketplace of ideas, like you were saying about celebrity, influence is influence. It is. So if Alex Jones is somehow able to make a case that resonates with people, Mm -hmm. is it that we're now afraid and deplatform him? Or should we come up with ways to address the concerns that he's brought up? I mean, if customers come to you as a business and they Mm -hmm. say, we hate this product that you have Mm -hmm. and we won't support you and we won't give you our money, the business has every right to say, your brand's values do not align with our values. Get the fuck out. We're not interested in doing business with you. Mm -hmm. And I think if they mentioned that part... Sure. Well, I mean, but but that's what they are. They are a company. They mm-hmm. are a for-profit company. Yeah. And they have decided that his values are not in line with theirs. That's essentially what it means when you get kicked out of any of those behemoth companies. They're essentially saying you're not adhering to the code of conduct. Mm-hmm. We can change the code of conduct at literally any time. Mm-hmm and deal with it. We're a private company. And it's really hard to simultaneously hold these marketplace laissez-faire values about ideas and not hold them about business and capital and and marketing. Like, I don't understand how people can hold this idea that the marketplace of ideas is sacred, but not the marketplace of money. I would say, is there a way to make them both jive? Like, for whatever reason, whenever you mention the fact that they say, listen, you ain't making me money. Mm Mm-hmm. If they were just to say it like that, I actually would be able to accept it. But they would make less money saying it like that. And that and that's the problem. I understand that they're in a PR tiptoe. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't completely agree with you. It would be nicer if they would just come out and be honest. But when have companies like Facebook ever been honest? I mean, how did you find out that Google knew where you were all of the time by them telling you? Or did you just did someone point you to the fact that Google has your GPS of literally every place you've been? That's fair, yeah. Right? Like, these companies are not... They don't have to be honest with us legally, which sucks. They, mm-hmm. have, to, they have to tell us if we ask. Mm-hmm. And they have to disclose in some way in a large agreement they know we won't read, mm-hmm. which sucks. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, it's like, you're right. They are being a little duplicitous by not openly saying, we're distancing ourselves from this brand because some people hate it. And we know that if we distance ourselves from this brand, we'll lose fewer customers Mm -hmm. than if we don't. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it makes sense to me. Businesses have the right to be businesses. Yeah. I would say businesses have the right to be businesses, but then the question is, they still have to operate under certain circumstances let's say and maybe let's look back at even what the legal system what does it function as in general the legal system is basically just there to make sure that we all don't kill each other that we you know 30 million people in canada 8 billion around the world can share these finite resources in a way that you know hopefully we'll have depending Mm -hmm. on who you ask at least a couple decades if not a couple hundred years left right right but then when you say that businesses have the right to be businesses, yes, they do. But do their rights trump, for example, 
your right to safety. Right. Um, I mean, if a business is being a business, <clears throat> I guess the question would be, how is it legal for them to be doing business that makes me unsafe? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So then if you're going to use that as a basis, why not expand free speech to like the safety level of importance? Free speech to the safety level of importance. So... Like we all agree that, for example, Facebook. Right can say, here, you consent to releasing your personal data, click this button. Sure. That's one way of doing sure. business. They could also, if they were allowed to, sure. come and club you like in that Indian video. Hey, give me your fucking private information or I'm going to beat you. We're specifically talking about a video yeah. of people from India. We were watching some Hin Hindu um, nationalists, which don't even get me started on that. But yes, <laughs> sure. Um, we, so you're talking about... Right. So that would be a criminal offense. Yes. So Facebook is not saying no one listened to this person. They're saying we will not personally publish this person. Mm -hmm. It's like Penguin Books, as I said earlier, saying, Victor, we're not going to go with your manuscript. Are they a publisher? Then that's the question. That right. Are ask. they a publisher? Sure. I think I think at the very least, they're a fusion of publisher and something else. Mm -hmm. But it's hard, it's almost impossible to say they're not a publisher. It is possible to say they're a publisher and something else. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the whatever something else that they are, mm -hmm. do they maybe owe a greater duty of care to us? As, as citizens, sure. As citizens. Sure, I hear what you're saying. And there is an interesting argument to be made in exploring what that something else is. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should lose the rights of publishers. Yeah, I agree with you in a sense that... Like, they shouldn't be required to publish what I have to say. I, they can't stop me from saying it anywhere else, but they shouldn't be required to publish it themselves. I'll have to think about that one. The irony being, Jordan Peterson makes mm -hmm. a lot of arguments against compelled speech, and yet that's exactly what this would be, if anything. You're making someone publish your words. Or arguing that that should be the case, that they should have to publish your words. No, because with Jordan Peterson's case in compelled speech, mm -hmm. you could actually face legal ramifications. I mean, not in, really, though. It was a weak sauce case. There's a reason that a room full of lawyers and other professionals in the Senate said, no, this is a very bad argument. We're going to publish this legislation anyway. And they did. Right? Like, there's a reason that that bill, was it C-16? Something like that. It was C-15? I can't remember. But one of them was copyright infringement and one of them was like... Um, yeah. That's an interesting argument to use about the compelled speech. Yeah. Then, then it becomes... They argue both sides. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Exactly. They'll, they'll argue whatever is convenient to argue. And when I say they, I mean typically people making counterculture arguments yeah. will argue whatever works for them at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't mean to say they like right-wing people or yeah, any... Because yeah. I'm not trying to cheapen that argument. Yeah, it's yeah, a legitimate yeah. argument. Yeah, it's just, it is. I just don't think it's the right argument. I yeah. don't think it's a good argument, especially against a free business model. Yeah. And, and that's probably where we have to start thinking about, like, for example, mm -hmm. compelled speech is more intimate because it's your voice. Sure. But with a business... Oh, I have, a, publish, I have a great one for yeah, you. Yeah, Sorry. No, ahead. no, you finish your thought first. Finish your thought. With a business, is it really compelling them? If you, let's say, have stricter guidelines about, for example, sure. let's make it more technical in a sense. You have a terms of service. Yep. Okay. Let's say... With a lot of the cases that people have had against being deplatformed, they will say, 
you didn't have a case with your terms of service. Why doesn't he just start his own website? Like, clearly he's made a big enough noise. A lot of people know him. Just start your own website. Make your own I platform. I think he still has his own stuff. So, like, how has he been deplatformed if he still has the internet? Like, he can be literally any address he wants on the web that isn't purchased already. He can build his own website. Do you want to check if InfoWars is still up? Because I don't know if it is. I can, I can check. Yeah. I think it's just InfoWars.com. I can hear your listeners now. This is obviously an Alex Jones paid shill. <laughs> it's definitely still up. He okay. has like a full platform. <laughs> like, okay. His whole radio show and everything. Like he's in no way been deplatformed to begin with. He has an enormous platform. That site looks extremely well put together. It's as big as ABC or NBC or any other broadcaster. Much and that's, better than the HorleyVirgin.com. And, <laughs> and much better than IntimatePodcast.com. I don't have a budget like that. You want to talk about deplatforming and free speech? Make me that popular. Right? I don't have a right to ask that. No That's one true. owes me anything. No one owns Alex Jones anything. Like, I don't fucking care if he quote unquote loses his career. He can still be online. He can still advertise. He can still operate in a free market. He has no reason to tell other businesses they absolutely must publish his stuff. It's frankly, I think, a bad argument in a, within the context of like any kind of like laissez-faire economics. Like, you can't have it both ways. That's a good question, and <laughs> I wonder who's calling right now. That's okay. You can turn off your phone if you want. Unless she calls again. And then I'll have <laughs> then to. Then you have to answer. Is it your mom? It is my mom. That's adorable. If you yeah. want to take your mom, you, show, you didn't have to actually turn it off. You could have taken your mom. No, I think she just probably wants to know like what's going on. See, here's the thing where she's a little crazy. Okay. I just came back from seven months of backpacking, four of which I spent bush camping in Africa. And she'll say silly, silly things like, what are you doing? Like, what's this podcast thing? I'm like, right. fucking who cares? And she's like, do, do I know this person? I'm like, mom, you didn't know where I was literally. Right, when I literally was like yeah. on a bench somewhere yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. wherever you were in Europe. Yeah, I've done Monaco. crazier things than she can ever imagine. But right. when I'm back at home, she has this thing where she's like, oh, now I'm going to exert like tiny bits of control. So sometimes it's good for her to be like, yeah. But if she calls again, then I'll answer her. Sure. I'll make just just so that she knows you aren't yeah, dead. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I, I think it'd be sort of difficult to get away with it, but... Sure. I mean, you have a security camera outside your door and all that stuff, so it'd be tough for you to do anything. Yes. And I think I, yes, think you I could take you. <laughs> I think I could take you. You know what? If you've been backpacking, you probably could. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you've probably been lifting and, and yeah. more weight and yeah. running more. I went to paintball for one day two days ago, and my quads are still sore. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how out of shape I am. Were you shot a couple times? I was shot, like, in the neck. It's actually really painful. The neck is the worst place to be shot. It was under the helmet, which is not painful. Oh, yeah. And above the padding, which oh. is moderately, like, a little tiny bit painful. Yeah. Um, but straight in the neck, it went... I had padding on my neck. I had, like, um, a turtleneck oh, yeah. that was, like, a sweater. So I was like, this won't be painful. Mm -hmm. It snuck above the turtleneck and below the helmet and just got me right on the skin and it left this welt. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so that's what happens when you get shot in the neck at paintball. So yes, you probably could take me. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also got shot um, in the underside of my arm. I don't know if you can see it. It's like Is in it there the somewhere. Bruise? Yeah, it's the, probably the bruise. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So. I literally, the person shot me and I was like, hit. And I lifted my gun straight up in the air, did a 180 degree. And before I could walk away, shot me in the soft, meaty bit under the arm. Like, Is that against the rules? Yes, it's totally against the rules. They had time to hear me say hit, raise my gun to the international sign of I have been hit for paintball. Yeah. Turn around and then they shot me in the back. Wow. <laughs> it was like the jerkiest thing to do. 
but I didn't I didn't say anything about it. I was just like, really? Like, mm. anyways, it was just really painful. Yeah. Ironically, I think the shot in the bottom of my arm hurt for like four minutes. The shot in the neck hurt a lot at first and then went away pretty quickly. Hmm. Hmm. But that might have just been adrenaline of like, I don't know, saving private paintball. Wow. It was, it was a lot of stuff happening and a lot of people screaming and a lot of paintballs flying. Where do you think that comes from? Like, the, the want to have, like, fake guns and shoot people? Um, I mean, part of it is reenacting cultural scripts, I think, or, like, looking at wow. media, because we see it so often. And then, I mean, look at, like, Call of Duty and, like, how popular first-person shooters are. Have you shot a gun yourself? Yes. Are you good at it? Mm, if it's a rifle, yes. If it's a handgun, no. I think I did, was it rifle shooting? What did I do? I did something in, in Dubai, and someone actually asked me if I'm a cop. The, my first shot with a rifle was a bullseye. Wow, nice. With a handgun, my first, like, my first, like, ten were not, and, like, one of them missed the target altogether. I'm like, how do people shoot with these? I'm, yeah. like, so unskilled with a handgun. But with a rifle, I'm like, you just line the sights up, you, like, take a, take a breath in, like, don't don't be breathing while you're shooting, and then just, you just calmly squeeze the trigger and let everything go. And it was like, six, six, it was like, wow, I learned this in a video game. I think maybe it was a pistol then. What, what did I do? You know what? I'm sad that my memory is so, like, jumbled. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes because I travel so much that I've integrated other people's experiences and a ton of different thing into a mush of goo in my head. I know for sure I've shot a gun. I know for sure the person asked me if I was a cop, but all of the details in between, I'm like, what kind of gun it was? Part of me thinks it was a rifle. But then a rifle has, like, a scope, right, at the top. Um, not necessarily. It, it usually has um, sights. I, I think mean, it was a rifle. Technically, handguns have sights too. Yeah, I think it was a rifle. Yeah, if it was it a long barrel gun. I think it was. Okay, <laughs> uh, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Some if it revisionist was long... history. Yes, yes, that's right. Fake news. If yeah. it was a long barrel gun, I'm sure it was almost certainly a rifle. How did you feel though? Did you feel that sense of power? With a rifle, it was calm. It wasn't explosive. It wasn't loud. It was just like. You know, there's a bang, mm -hmm. and then I'd hit the bullseye. It felt very calculated and much more... This is such a me thing to say. It felt civilized. Oh. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It didn't. But um, it definitely felt refined. Like, there was this quality to firing a rifle that felt like I could do it every day and it didn't bother me. Whereas with a handgun, like, the powder is still kind of exploding as the bullet leaves the barrel. And I'm just like, man, this is loud. Hmm. It just feels really uncontrolled, and it it's some there's something about for me firing a handgun that feels more violent than firing a rifle, and it might just be that I associate rifles with animals and I associate handguns with people. Oh, that's a good case to make. In some ways, this is something I said before to somebody that I was sort of just throwing out my kink story to, mm -hmm. but. There's a lot to be said about what you can learn about yourself as a person if you push yourself to, like, literally outside the tiny box that we're placed in in society, outside of that box, and outside of, like, blowing out any conceivable boundaries that you ever thought were possible for you as a person, and seeing how you navigate within those spaces. Mm -hmm. Because I think, at least up here, like, U.S. is different, but I would say more people have had no experience with the gun than have had. Right. And there's probably, I'd say, n like 75% of the people that I know would probably be like, oh, that, that, that doesn't seem like something that I want to do. What, shoot a gun specifically? Yeah, like shoot a gun. Yeah. Or skydive or bungee sure. jump. But yeah. then I always tell them that when you push yourself out of all of these 
I guess you would call them boundaries of what people usually like. Like the things that you can find about yourself is just not something that you could have recreated. Mm -hmm. Like for example, I'm not like I, that. You gotta, you gotta get your mom. That's fine. I will entertain you while Stephanie is on the phone with her mom. Hello. I'm doing a bad I'm job of entertaining. I can also note this and edit it out. When you're gonna be coming by, just give me a call. Okay, bye. Yeah. I think she's surprised that we're still recording. Well, we started at like what? We started like 10 minutes, 20 minutes ago? Yeah. We, I usually do like three 50 minute sessions. Three, like five, five, zero. Yeah, that Which makes is sense. why I booked like three to four hours. I don't know if I actually told you an end time. You never told me an end time, but I think that works out well. Okay, yeah. yeah. Usually like, I, I, would, I was planning on going until three, but it's entirely up to you. If you don't have the time, that's okay too. I think we should be okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm just. Now I'm going to jump back to what I was thinking about. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how much you learn about yourself. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm not like a big like Second Amendment gun, like everyone should be toting guns. I, I think there should be regulation sure. because going back to that whole issue of there's like some fundamental things, like let's stop each other from killing each other. Sure. And if you have to be licensed to drive a car, that's literally a yeah. weapon. But at the same time, like most people wouldn't think of a car as a weapon, but you're right. I think it, it certainly has the ability to kill people and it probably kills a, like the way that I explain how dangerous cars are mm -hmm. to folks from the U.S. Um, or Canada is, I'm, as I say, like if September 11th mm -hmm. were the 11th of every month, more people would have died in 2015 from car yeah. crashes. I think people are actually shocked when I say, for example, skydiving, you're statistically more likely to die driving to the skydive site than skydiving. Absolutely. But we've normalized risk. So yes. we've all collectively said cars are a good thing. They're risky, but we're going to take that risk on. And then if you take a look at automated cars, for example, people get all up in a muck. Oh, my God. One automated should, car got into an accident. We should all. do like, it, seriously. though. We yeah. should. Like, every car should be automated in urban areas. Yeah. And quite frankly, like, we should have autonomous vehicles as yeah. an option for people who don't want to die. Yeah. Because when you get into an accident with your autonomous car, it's not going to be with another autonomous car. Yeah. And I think people have to understand, too, that... Why is the airline industry the mm -hmm. safest mode of transportation? Yeah. It's mostly the automation. So people who think, oh, well, but, you know, we see like this one accident case and it's bad. People jump to these conclusions without mm -hmm. thinking about mm -hmm. the ramifications. Has there been an automated car accident other than a car getting rear-ended? Because I, I don't think... think... I think there have been one that I read where... I know the first one was Google's car, car getting rear-ended by a non-autonomous car. So the autonomous car got rear-ended. I think in this one it was autonomous car rear-ending another one. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was also one about porn being filmed in a Tesla on autopilot. But that's, again, that's sure. human error. I, uh, I'm pretty sure Elon didn't say... I'm freeing up the autonomous car so you guys can fuck in the car. Right. Like, I yeah, I think Tesla's like, you have to sit behind the seat while it's on autopilot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at the very least, tr try your best. I mean, that being said, I'm the same person who got fingered on the back of a motorcycle. Which is also a high risk activity. Yeah, which is also high risk. And looking back, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot of... 
do as I say, not as I do. That's actually just really impressive. Like, as a person who has ridden motorcycles, granted only one season, but I rode the entire year, including winter. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of times when I would literally, like, get home and be like, oh, literally water has frozen on my helmet from, like, the wind chill. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this can't be safe. The guy was an extreme sports athlete in his defense, but that's, even that's then, even then, though, I, I had this feeling of, first, surprise, obviously, stupefaction, like, what's going on? But then I'm like, dude, this is one of those things where you push yourself outside the box so much, like, you have no idea what kind of person you are until you've had to navigate death and sex. Like, when I say sex, I mean, I'm still no three holes, so that's my one right. rule. But everything else is like have free reign. So sometimes guys will say to me, well, I have nothing. Where do I work with that? Well, this is how you work in it. You finger me on the back of a motorcycle. Right. Right. And there's when so many things. When you say finger though, you don't mean penetrative. No, no. So, so you mean, you mean not, because usually fingering typically yeah. means penetration yeah, for yeah. people who do penetration. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I can respect that with a no three holes rule, you're literally saying no anal, no vaginal, no oral. I would say no penis in those three holes. Oh. But, like, penetration with fingers is fine with me. What about I've toys? I've had that a lot. Toys is, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That no seems far... That seems, that seems far less asexual. I know. People have said to me that, number one, they don't think I'm a virgin at all. Because I've orgasmed with someone. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that, that's what they say, though. I mean, honestly, virginity is so commodified anyway. Yeah, it is. It the is. whole thing's garbage. It's I'm like, guilty because... I use it as a marketing tactic. Going sure. back to the whole business thing. The Horley like Virgin. The Horley Virgin is what it is. And yeah. that's why I have such a, I guess, scatterbrained approach to the stuff. Because I hold a ton of things that maybe seem contradictory all in the same brain. Like, they make sense-ish to me. And the Horley Virgin thing is more like, I haven't had what you would consider traditional sex. Sure. Maybe that's the better way to put it. But I've done... A lot of the stuff that... Well, heter you haven't had heteronormative sex. I haven't had heteronormative sex. Yeah. And I'd be interested in women, but... And this is coming from the perspective of a woman. Uh, it's just the ones I've met, at the very least, has just been... They're just equally... Ah, as me. And you can only have one of that in... You need the stability of someone who's not as... Like, anal retentive. Got you. Although some people say that for a woman, I tend to be more masculine. And you said that you, you felt like I strike you as not someone who really needed aftercare, per se. So I'm a little yeah, more masculine. Yeah, I, I don't associate that with, that with masculinity. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, when I said you struck me as someone that didn't, didn't need aftercare, mm -hmm. um, I also mentioned that I thought it came from a place of being like radically self-sufficient. Yeah. Of just being super independent and like not needing anything from other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I, I guess traditionally is seen as masculine. Yeah. And in that way, I'm not masculine. <laughs> and I'm, I'm good with that. So I guess there are two ways to look at it. Either folks can look at it as masculinity and femininity for mm -hmm. cis folks yep. can include whatever range of behaviors they want. That's yep. like, that's one way of sort of being progressive is looking at gender as like, if you identify as a man or a woman, that can mean whatever you want it to mean. Yep. And the other way to look at it is that masculinity and femininity mean these traditional archetypes. Mm -hmm. And we just, men and women, perform different amounts of masculinity and femininity both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I, I tend to use it that way as well, actually, because I'll often talk about, like, um, how femme presenting I am. If I have, like, um, well, I just did my nails yesterday. Yes. Um, yes. And they're fabulous. Oh, thank you. I, I have no nails done, so... 
That's legit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes I wear lipstick, and I would describe that as performing more femininity. But at the same time, I'll also rock a beard. Mm-hmm. I have a fairly masculine-looking body type, or so I've been led to believe. I'm not married to that distinction. <laughs> so mm-hmm. feel free not to, like, roast me online and be, like, <laughs> not that masculine. Um, but the idea is that I perform both at the same time. Do you think, when it comes to the words that we use, that, I mean, even circling back to the free speech issue, are mm-hmm. we maybe too strict with our definitions of what words mean? Hmm. I think definitions should be descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm -hmm. So if people are using words a certain way, I think our definitions should try and include those words Mm -hmm. to the best of their reasonable ability, because Mm -hmm. there are always going to be definitions that are very, um, what's called idiolectical, which is to say like one person uses a word strangely. Yes. That doesn't need to be That's in every dictionary. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but as long as you understand them in conversation, it's functional. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with that too, which is why it, it's been an interesting thing to navigate because I have two minds about it from a strictly scientific perspective, from what I've read, people have argued about, you know, biological difference in the sex and how does that map onto gender identity and all that. And for me, I've all often said, okay, I understand where biologically what they're trying to say. So from a biological standpoint, I get it. But then also... Sorry, I, I, I've, I've lost myself in yeah, thought. Yeah. When you yeah. said biologically what people are trying to say, what was, the, what, was the, what was the M statement? Sorry, I think what I was trying to elucidate here is that biologically, according to scientists if you are going to use the word male and female, they have like a strict biological definition of what it is. Which is why we now say assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth. Exactly. Which gives more context to the situation. Mm -hmm. But it's also a mouthful unless you say AMAB or AFAB, which is pretty niche. Like alternative communities are using it, but like no one else. So then the question would be, as a person who's, let's say, more aware of the intricacies of the wordings, Mm. would you be mad if someone said something that, for example, you heard me use the word masculinity and you added some context to it. I didn't feel offended by it. And I like the fact that you added more detail to it. Let's say... It's also because we're on a podcast and it's literally focused on gender and like sex. So I was like, oh, so like people in the audience as well could benefit from this information. Yes, that's interesting. So it wasn't strictly like you did it wrong. It was more just like, here's some context. How would you feel if, let's say, an average person used words maybe, I guess, in, in a more fluid way? As long as you understood it not to have, like, a hateful undertone underneath? Hmm. I guess it would depend on how I was feeling. Mm. Like, if if it was something that, like, I felt needed some context for the greater conversation, I might bring it up. Especially if that person was close to me. If that person's not especially close to me, I mean, eh, it's neither here nor there. Like, I might, I could say something, but I probably wouldn't. I don't know. I might say something. I'll give you an example of what I did recently that went sort of way out of control. And when I caught myself, I realized, oh, maybe I'm going way too far. Mm. So this is at a a church's chicken. And I was looking at the menu and I was buying something for someone else. And we're all on a budget here. So Mm. then I looked at the price. I was like, man, the last time I've been at church's chicken, things were a lot more affordable. Right. And then the guy said, well, this is the price it is, the cashier. And I'm like, okay, well, and I made comments about I just have no clue how people are affording to eat out like this because things are so expensive but then that's fine i walked away and then the person behind me said yeah get things moving but like not swearing but yelling and then i turned around and said am i not allowed to be mindful of my budget 
you know, I, I was in line. I asked a question. I didn't end up buying anything, but if it anything, wasn't a waste of your time. If anything, time. it was faster Yeah. than if you'd actually purchased something. Exactly. But then I guess the question was, did I take his words and imbue a bunch of things? Because I, I think I've been guilty of this for sure, that even though I was born in Canada, sometimes I get the sense that you're still not one of us because you're not white. Definitely. And that triggers me to react as if it were a white man asking about the budget, blah, blah. Would he, this white guy who said this statement... Have would, said the same thing. Yes. And I automatically jump to that. And that's such a hard one because trauma is built on trauma. Yeah. So it's like when you've had those racist experiences, like mm-hmm. I've had racist experiences mm-hmm. yeah. as well. Like, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I am don't want to beat a dead horse because I've talked about them before. But, yeah. you know, if people are screaming racial slurs at you in public... Yeah. Um, the next time someone gets even close, it's like all the hair on the back of your neck stands up, your heart starts racing. And like the person hasn't said anything super awful. Um, I had almost the exact same situation, except um, it was about um, orientation. Okay. There was a teenage boy at paintball that was um, two two boys were being switched from red team to blue team. Okay. That's it. And and he, um, the ref said, could you, could you two... Uh, come over like together I just need both of you together so that he could tape their arms to yeah, mark sure, them yeah. um, and some some boy on the blue team was like oh yeah they're together together and like his friend laughed and like no one else laughed and I was like oh my god times are really changing yeah. and um, one of my friends from my team was like was like you know like so what if they're together together like that's good for them and the ref was like yes congratulations I now pronounce you paint and baller yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just really nice that like mm-hmm. there was this sort of like observation that someone had made a joke that was laughing at the idea um Mm -hmm. of of being like mask homosexual Mm -hmm. and um that was essentially saying being gay is performing masculinity wrong and performing masculinity wrong is deserving of ridicule Mm. um so what ended up happening was unfortunately i didn't get to have a conversation like that with him but before i left i was like please don't make fun of gay people like that's it's just like that sucked for me. Like just, pl- just don't do it. And he said to me like, oh, I wasn't making fun of gay people. I just told a joke, and I'm sorry if you took it that way. Which is the typical cop out, non accountable answer. Yeah. And I literally said, hmm. he said, I'm sorry if you took it that way. So I take it that he's genuinely sorry. All right, you have a nice day. Mm-hmm. And I just walked away from it. Um, but in hindsight, I'm like, you know that that guy was like 16, 17. I'm twice his age. I could have just sat down and been like, hey, um, I appreciate that you were just trying to be funny. Also, maybe you could help me out. Like, I don't really understand it. What was funny about the joke? Yeah. And not like in an aggressive way, not in like, I want to trap you in an argument way. Just like what was funny about the joke? Mm-hmm. And just, just to get him to think about it. Because I already knew what was supposed to be funny about the joke. It's not the first time I've been called a fag. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in that case, he didn't even come close to calling me a fag. Yeah. However, um, there was, yeah, I mean, I obviously my, my nails were done for paintball and I got some glances, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right? So it's like, how much am I reading into this? And the answer is a lot. They could love the color and be like, where the hell did he get that? I've never seen polish like that. Absolutely. And that's the thing. The guy who was yelling at me to be faster, he probably, like, I saw later on that he was trying to catch the bus because right. I, I actually talked to the manager for a bit. Right. about this incident right. and then later on i saw that he was trying to catch the bus and then i said to him hey you're an environmentalist i appreciate that and then he was like cool and then we walked off but then my original thought was i took him yelling n- not anything 
racist like for sure. yours i can see that there's actually an there, were undertones, there were undertones there they also like he genuinely didn't understand yeah. i think that what he was saying might be offensive to someone gay and i don't think that he in any way put the thought into it to be like why is this funny like mm-hmm. i don't think he's ever asked that question it's just been funny and he was just trying to be a teenager like mm-hmm. then there's, there's me giving him a hard time in front of his other friends being like don't don't like fuck with gay people <laughs> and he's like i wasn't i'm sorry like even though he wasn't legitimately sorry i didn't i didn't think my read of that was that he was sorry but um there were so many more constructive ways for me to have approached that if i'd had the emotional energy and i wanted to commit the time and effort to to that and the shitty thing is i just don't want to hear shit that that essentially makes fun of me in public but i don't have a right to that right there's the question of like safety and free speech again it's like he he can absolutely say whatever he wants in public Mm -hmm. i don't have the right to say he can't say that Mm -hmm. and i'm allowed to be just as angry as i want to at him Mm -hmm. so long as i'm not physically threatening him or verbally threatening him so this the free speech cuts both ways yes it does right it does i Mm -hmm. guess the question too aside from free speech is how much energy do you want it to burn up in you too right and it burns up a lot when you have to have a conversation about race um especially when you've been attacked physically which i have Mm -hmm. for my race before Mm -hmm. um or verbally which i mean i don't think anyone who's not white in canada hasn't been verbally attacked at least and that's the thing is that in speaking openly about it we as minorities all take Mm -hmm. it as for sure we've all had those experiences but if you approach like a white person they'll be Mm -hmm. surprised be like really that's your experience and that's yeah exactly it yeah the fact that they can't even conceive that canada in all of its progressiveness still has problems right and any country could backslide like the u.s is proving absolutely like the fact that roe v wade is even being questioned right now i'm like this is like okay i guess i guess at some level we have to accept that the government has ruthlessly failed to do public education and and that's my bias Mm -hmm. as a liberal-minded person to Mm -hmm. even say that right Mm -hmm. because the government that is currently taking away bodily autonomy for women Mm -hmm. is a government that was democratically elected and a large portion of those voters would have been women they have just made some very bad choices in the people they've supported in my opinion Clearly, they may not think that. Maybe they've changed their minds. They do think that now. And there's religion involved. Oh, yeah. George Carlin has a joke, something about they like, what is it? They want live fetuses to become dead soldiers. That's what they want. That's a good one. I love that one because it's like, they only care about you Republicans. And I'm going to use these generic terms just for lack of a better, or people who are... Who are anti-choice or if you prefer pro-life. Yeah, exactly. They seem to only care about you when you're a fetus or or cells or whatever. When you're out of the vagina, that's that's done. There's the joke in um, American Dad, which is funny because Seth MacFarlane, to me, strikes me as right of center at the very least. Do you least. really think so? I've, I've always thought he was left personally. But. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it depends on where people think center is. And I think for people who are left of center, they see themselves as center. And for people who are right of center, they also see themselves as center. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how everyone's kind of like, oh, well, the center is clearly what I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> anyways, um, the reason the reason that I'm saying that is not from his um, cartoons, but mm-hmm. from his um, whatever that short was that was a TNG knockoff. That show. Anyways, he just had some ideas that were very like, like there was like, there was like rape that happened on that show that wasn't addressed. Hmm. Um, And like, there was just, there were just things that just like conversations that didn't get wrapped up and ideas that didn't feel well explored Hmm. um, in terms of, anyways, this isn't about me reviewing some (laughs) science fiction that's like a a best of B series. Um, 
it, what were we even talking about? To be fa- right. Yeah, to be fair, though, with, with the issue of abortion, yes. I understand it's not anyone's first choice. No right. one's going in there saying, yeah, let's, like, fucking rip out some... Yeah, there, no your one's saying, this is too. life. It's right. elements of your own... Like, the woman goes through a lot of pain. Yeah. And I can say this because my mom had an abortion. Mm. And we've discussed it, and it's been an interesting situation because, in some ways... If you understand the mindset of a person who's had one, you will know that nobody wants to do it. Yeah. And then the question becomes, what led to the abortion in the first place? Yeah, like if you want to stop abortion, then deal with deal yes deal with the reasons why people get them. Like yeah. this whole notion that criminalizing something is going to stop crime yeah. is so absurd. Like earlier you mentioned the criminal system is there mm-hmm. to keep us from killing each other. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it does do that to a small extent. But I hope so. <laughs> the, I mean, but I don't think we would if we didn't have it. Like we, we might see you don't more. Think we would kill I, each other? If we didn't have criminal criminal time, I mean, yeah, we would probably kill each other more. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like what could we have that would actually stop us killing each other instead of the criminal system? So that's the way I'm looking at it. It's mm-hmm. not that the criminal system doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. but that it's really bad at its mandate in that at best it keeps us at this equilibrium point where we're only killing, you know, however many tens or hundreds of thousands. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like 10,000 gun homicides in the States per year or so, right? Yeah. This is one of those difficult cases because when you mention something like contraceptives, right. Oh, you get so fucked. Like, I've but had it's, this... it's such a good tool. Uh, to be completely honest, and this is where I'm going to bring the religion sure. angle in. I've realized that I understand where these people come from. I don't agree with them, but sure. I can see where they think that this offers them meaning, like the Bible or whatever religion. But it's so picky and choosy. It is, it is. And it's it's very self-serving. It's the same thing with Ben Shapiro when he says, like, I just think that homosexuality is wrong. It's like, well, you you still shave. shave. Presumably you wear cotton polyester blends. Why don't you think those are wrong? Yeah, exactly. Those are just as haloed and just as wrong. Like, none of them are Ten Commandments stuff. But in some ways, to speak of Ben Shapiro and to speak of someone that I was speaking to yesterday about his religion, Mm -hmm. I think that... Ben admits that he doesn't have, like, a logical evidence-based approach. Sure, but he doesn't even have a leg to stand on in a religious-based approach. Because he... he chooses some religious things and says, oh, I believe these because a book told me, right? And it's religious, therefore you can't attack it. Okay, but I can still ask why not all the other religious things that you don't follow? You had to make a selection and you have to be accountable to that. You choose to be bigoted towards homosexuals, mm-hmm. not because a book told you. That's an excuse. Mm-hmm. A book did tell you. You can absolutely use that as evidence in in the sense that you can say, this is what I'm basing my belief on, even though I have no other good reason. And he is really good about saying that, but it's still a bullshit answer because why not the other things? That's a, that's a, a he good still point, yeah. has to pick which of those things from that book he's going to follow. That's true. And he shaves his face. Mm-hmm. Is there something against shaving your face? I believe that, so. That's how bad I, believe I am so. on this stuff. I, honestly, I could be mistaken. I'd have to Google it, but I'm pretty sure for Orthodox Jews, like they're not supposed to trim, or they're not supposed to cut hair on the sides of their head or something like that. Oh man. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Isn't this the explanation of why rabbis tend to have the long locks? To be completely honest... Sometimes I wonder how the people can even function with that level of structure. Like, maybe we're both free spirits, so we don't Mm -hmm, see what mm -hmm. the appeal would be. But it's like, some structure is good. Hey, you know, just believe in me. All your sins are washed. You'll go to heaven, blah, blah, afterlife. It seems like a good deal. 
in a general sense. But then once you get start getting into like, don't masturbate, don't this, don't like, fuck, like, okay, mm -hmm. so don't masturbate, don't use contraceptives, don't get abortions, like, who's gonna take care of the kids mm -hmm. today when they cost money? Like, they used to be, for lack of a better term, like, farmhand slaves or whatever you sure. want to call them back then. Okay. Yeah, but the you'd world have has changed. Yeah. The world has completely changed. Yep. And if anybody wants to raise a child with the expectation that they're either going to serve you somehow down the road when you're older or whatever, mm -hmm. I think that's selfish. Let me give you a, let me give you, yes, sure. Yeah. I, I, I actually I agree. Yeah. Um, like having children is not for you. Um, but I guess that some people disagree with me and that's fine. Mm -hmm. So a better, a better argument than the mixed fabric or the, um, or the trimming of the hair is slavery. Mm -hmm. Why isn't he defending Jewish slavery? It, a book told him to. Yeah, yeah. Why is he not defending Jewish slavery mm -hmm. as a reasonable thing for him to believe in religiously? Mm -hmm. And if he's not defending slavery, why, why be anti-homosexual and not be pro-slavery? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. And honestly, it's because mm -hmm. he's an intelligent person that understands slavery is 2,000 years out of date. And if mm -hmm. he were, in my opinion, a more intelligent person, he would understand that homosexuality and being against it specifically is also 2,000 years out of date. With people like that, I wonder sometimes whether it's just like self-preservation. Obviously, there are certain ideas that people feel triggered from more than others. Sure. Like, for example, when I was triggered by some dude yelling sure. at me at Church's Chicken, and then yeah. upon a logical, evidence-based approach, I realized, I, I think I overreacted to that. Sure. And if I saw that guy again, I would actually apologize to him. Oh, wow. And cool. say, hey, listen, like, I totally took that way out of context. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, you were in a position where you had to catch the bus and you saying, hey, man, hurry it up, had nothing to do with me being Chinese. I, I'm yeah. giving you the benefit of the doubt. I mean, sure. if he comes back and said, no, it was because you're fucking Chinese, <laughs> okay, then I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to have to take you on now. So yeah. we'll see. But I'll give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt because sure. I don't think that me looking back on it, yeah. that, that 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 makes sense as an interpretation. And that's, I think, me having, again, we all have our traumas to be triggered by. Yeah. With him... Uh, my guess would be, and this has been the experience I've had with somebody close to me in my life as well, mm -hmm. that they just went and had a ton of fucking kids to mask the fact that they were actually gay. Mm. And to me, I felt like that was very unfair because you're basically using children as props mm -hmm. in whatever way. Before it was, they're your farmhand. Now they're your beard. Whatever right. you want to use them as. Their beard. That's great. That's such I mean, a great term. It, <laughs> you, honestly, sorry, yeah. Honestly speaking, though. That's why for me, like, I actually identify as an antinatalist, which okay. I think uh, it's... Uh, what is say, an antinatalist? It's basically saying that it's in some ways unethical, immoral to be a parent, period. Right, because your your carbon put footprint of having a kid is enormous. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. There's But the species would ways. end if we didn't have any parents. Is that a bad thing, though? I mean, I think it is... I think bad and good are relative judgments. Yeah. So clearly I'm taking a position that's not yeah. directly opposite of you. Yeah. At the same time, I would say, is it necessarily a bad thing for the species to continue? I don't think it's necessarily worse than the species ending. Hmm. I think because the species continuing imbues so much suffering. Yeah. Like for me... You're taking like, um, what's it called? A utilitarian perspective. Yeah. And that there'd be less suffering in the world if everyone was dead, essentially. Yes, yes. There were no humans. David I Benatar to, is I, the philosopher. Oh, is that, he... It, he He's the one who's now been associated more. He debated Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson on this sure, topic. Sure. And I really like his approaches to it. And yes, they use basically the idea of suffering. And 
I, I can honestly say, despite all of the racism and whatever we've been talking about, I honestly live like top 1% of lives in the world. I honestly agree that. It's not that, I, I'm not saying I'm in the top 1% of money. I'm saying in richness in life, not sure. money. Sure. And even as someone with that sort of experience, I would say if someone had said, here's a preview of your life, you had to go through, let's say, 25 years of shit to get through, let's say, a relatively good period, and we're going to preview your whole life for you. If I knew, and they were like, do you want to be born? I'd be like, nah, it's all right. I'm right. cool. I'm cool with it. Because there's still a lot of fucking suffering. And even if you live, like, the best of lives, let's say you didn't even have my first 25 years of whatever I consider a tough time, just being conscious about death, knowing mm. that you're going to lose your parents, mm -hmm. knowing that you yourself are going to die. I mean, think of how much time we spend every day trying not to die. I mean, to me, the knowledge that I'm going to die one day feels like a relief on most days. Do you really think so? I think so, absolutely. It's it's nice to have it, and it's nice that it's not permanent. Like, oh my God, would it be overwhelming to live forever? That would be true. And also, I, I tell myself this, this sounds morbid, and I'm not actually a suicidal person, but I always say, there's nothing that can get you so bad that you can't just end it all. And that's not to say that, I mean, you go willy-nilly doing it, right? Everybody has to assess their own situation. I mean, you go to hell if you're, yeah. do if, you you're really? the, if you're in the Christian faith, you do. Well, luckily for me, you know, if God designed us, he designed me to be a, a harsh hater. So that's Love his it. fault, right? Love it. That's my atheist reasoning too. Um, well, because especially when you do the whole omnipotent, omniscient creator bit, it's like you can't have free will and an omnipotent, omniscient creator. Those three things cannot be true at the same time. I would say, too, just look at our Earth. How can he be both all-knowing and all-good? It can't... With the world that we have, he's fucked up. He or yeah. she or it is fucked up. Sure. It's like, well, why and, would you design that kind of world? And that's the whole thing with the whole, like, oh, but if you get pregnant, God intended it. I'm like, so you're saying God intended for rape and genocide? Yeah. At a certain point, I don't know that you have the ethical high ground. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I can look at that and say, this is a, an, a good God, if that God is, in, you know, responsible for massacre upon massacre. No, God works in mysterious ways. That's always the one they default to. Right. And it's like, okay, so you're saying you don't understand it and that you have faith that God's responsible for everything and you have faith that everything will eventually be for the good. It's like, it's funny you're saying that when you're in a position of strength. Yep. Um, it would be interesting to see... Um, you know, like, oh, let's just open all the board. Let's be capitalist and yeah. say free movement of labor mm -hmm. and of capital, mm -hmm. which means no more green cards. Everyone can go into Canada or the U.S. and work. Mm -hmm. Let's see how long people think God works in mysterious yeah. ways. They'll, they'll suddenly think, oh, maybe it's not God's intention. This mm -hmm. is something we should control. Yeah. But it's like, you know, we can use prophylactics and we can control conception as well. Yes. Right? We can get vasectomies mm -hmm. if we don't like, you know, if people are against birth control through chemical means. Mm -hmm vasectomies yeah. let's just get some vasectomies yeah so then the question being how is that unethical to get a vasectomy in in a religious context because you're no longer dealing with zygote formation mm -hmm. because i think the argument harkens all the way back to the idea that when you get fertilization of an egg there's this magic soul that somehow comes into being oh is that the thing i'm they pretty use? sure that's why they say that a fetus is still a quote-unquote human life and it's like Yes, it is It is a living collection of human cells. I mean, cancer is as well, and we kill those cells. Yeah. 
granted, cancer doesn't have the potential to be a full-fledged human being, but then again, neither do many zygotes. A lot of them get miscarried. Mm -hmm. And when you start doing all these crazy, batshit crazy legislative changes, like considering a fetus the same as any person means if if, if a tourist gets pregnant in the United States, they can stay as long as they want because they're carrying an American citizen. Mm -hmm. Can't deport an American. What they should do is the pro-lifers, any baby that was about to be aborted but couldn't be, they should take them in and raise them for 18. Because the person who made the choice obviously made the choice that they couldn't do it. Right. Like, for example, with my parents, right? Mm -hmm. They were in university at the time. And actually, you would argue back in that generation, the fact that they were even going to school, for them, they they seem like already like a a more responsible cut cloth or whatever you would want to call it. But the fact that my mom was still like, oh, fuck that. Like, I... Like sure. I have things that I, I think I need to do. I, I, I can't manage this. I'm right. happy that she made that. I always joke with her. This is like the dark humor that we have. I'm like, why'd you fucking make that choice for me? We always say because we gave him a name even. And it's a Chinese name because back then they had sort of named it. Sure. And it's Shi Dai Ching. And we always laugh, fucking Shi Dai Ching is the smartest out of all of us. He escaped all this. Just opted out. Yeah, just he just opted, opted out. out. And then we're always like, every day we're just like, why'd you bring me here? I mean, it's said jokingly and lovingly. Of course. But as, as, also, only, yeah. as only, so I say this as a person who has an Asian mother, yeah. as only an Asian family can. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like, there's like, something about it that's just so morbidly, but like fittingly culturally appropriate. Well, for my mom, I think she's been really practical in a sense that she's like, you know what? Fuck, like, listen. You're happy the way you are, mm-hmm. and probably if I went back, I wouldn't have kids either. And people ask me, do I get offended by that? Because that's like something Like that your mom really had an tough. abortion. No, no, no. Am I offended that my mom says that she wouldn't have had kids? Because she's implying that you weren't, like, good enough, like, this was a waste of time or whatever, right? And I'm like, no, she's recognizing that she was lacking in, like, the mothering skills department. And then to be fair to her, like, now that I've had time to think about it, I always tell her, like, you're a C-plus parent. You're a <laughs> you C-plus parent. You pass. pass. Like, you're A in this, like, F in this. And, the, and then my mom's like, you know what? I was never a good student anyway, so C-plus, I'll take it. Some moms get really offended. They'll be like, how dare, how dare your mom say that she didn't want you, as in she would have not right. gone back and, how and do had the you. Ki- how and how dare, dare you kid. say that she only gets a C-plus with how much she sacrificed? And I'm just like, it's okay to have all of these opinions at the same time. And that's just recognizing that with 30 years of data, let's say, you've decided, shit, like, I really did mess this this baby up in some ways. Sure. And I'm like, shit, I understand that she only was operating within the context that she knew at the time. Right. And now that I've taken that collective wisdom, to Mm. me, it's like, I say that I think it's immoral or unethical. Sure. But I'm not out there trying to control people not to have kids. Right. I think, though, it'd be nice if, let's say biological parents had to meet the same standards as adoptive parents. Oh my god, could you imagine how quickly standards on adoption would drop? Yep. And people say, this gets into eugenics, blah blah. Here's what I say. Let's have a non-binding government program. Non-binding. So that means they can give you like an opinion, and you can choose to not You can choose to just go and get pregnant anyway. But let's say you go to parenting school. Sure. And they give you a test. And let's say, you know, Stephanie Sai. F minus in parenting. Feel free to have the kid. Here's some recommendations for improvement. You can go have the kid. Can you imagine what idiot would be like, you know what? Fuck your F. I'm fucking, you know, like it's like saying, listen, have people run amok. But if you give them some 
honest perspective and feedback. And maybe part of this parenting school is actually having them interact with real babies, real kids, and simulating the environment. Even even honestly, like parenting school is a great idea as a public program. Yeah, it is. It'll reduce the amount of kids, hopefully, going into foster care. Yeah. And it'll be a great service to offer parents. Yeah. And also with respect to this conversation that we're having, it all goes into one because with the greater umbrella of sexuality, you have to consider that part of the reason why we have so many problems with contraceptives is just people don't want to talk about it still. Like, they still don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Sex is still this weird taboo. Maybe it's a religious thing. I'm not sure what it comes from. Probably religion and other things. Mm -hmm. That if you can't talk about the thing, like... How, how are you going to be able to make choices for yourself in the mm-hmm, future? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just no way. If you can't talk about what the reasonable contraceptives are, yep. the fact that they even exist, the fact that, listen, let's not make moral judgments about the sex. Let, let's suspend that for a second. Let's even just, just, even just vasectomies. Like, mm-hmm. if we had, if we have a reliable vasectomy procedure mm-hmm. and we, you know, like, honestly, we get all of our dogs and cats spayed and yep. neutered instantly yep. because we don't want them getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why we're not doing that with literally all of our children and then letting people just get their, you know, their reproductive organs fixed, essentially. When they want to have um, kids. When they want to have kids. Yeah. Um, that's an extremist perspective. I obviously don't think we necessarily should do that. And the reasoning behind that is I don't think we should modify our children until they're of the age of consent. Yeah. Um, but it would it would fit in line with any argument for circumcision. Yeah. That you would say, like, oh, well, we just have all of our children spayed or neutered. Yeah. And in some ways, this also goes to euthanasia, too. We also Tubal ligated, I should say. <laughs> so not, like, neutered, neutered. Yeah. Sorry. But it also goes with, let's say, when your pet is experiencing extreme pain or suffering, you can put them down. Right. And now we obviously have doctor-assisted suicide. But yep. I've been reading a couple of documentaries where, you know, there's still a contentious issue when it comes to mental health. Yep. And, I mean, honestly... The only person who can really judge the quality of their life, just like as a child, I'm the only one who can judge my mom's parenting. Right. If anyone, sure. if anyone at all, okay? Sure. It's either no one or me. It's not you and whoever you it's think not a moms, parent evaluating you know, it. Yeah. you know, at all moms as a whole, you know, species, like they're, they're perfect and they sure. can do no wrong or whatever, right? I think similar to that, I mean, you're the only one who can assess your life. Yeah. And... My fourth year biomedical ethics would agree with you. Who's anyone to tell you? Yeah. As long as you're not killing someone else. Yeah. And this is all to do with informed consent. I was watching a documentary where in, I think, Amsterdam. Yeah, they have um, doctor-assisted suicide there, but it's like you have to have an independent physician that doesn't Mm -hmm. know the patient confirm that there's a regular desire to die for, I think, I forget how many months, six months or something. And typically there needs to be some sort of looming condition where it's understood the quality of life will get worse. And it has to be confirmed with a second doctor Mm -hmm. who also doesn't know the patient. Mm -hmm. And when the two doctors concur that this person has a regular desire to die Mm -hmm. and that there is a specific reason behind it that that sounds reasonable to both of them, then they can authorize the suicide and the Mm -hmm. patient must administer it where where at all possible yeah. and every single case is reviewed by an ethics board it's a good system yeah I, I actually really like it i think they've got it figured out yeah and i think we could probably stand to move a little bit more in that direction yeah because there's been a number of cases now where people have the mental health component and they've been refused it under our limited circumstances sure. i mean of, of course we're in the right direction sure but these things 
I, I hope that they'll expand more soon. Because as we, as a species, I guess, we'll argue about whether we really should or shouldn't be here. But if we're, we're here already, sure. we should try to make life as good as possible for the ones who are here. I think so, too. And that we all are in this experiment together, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. And however it works is however it works. Yeah. And to be honest, I think I get a weird kind of satisfaction out of sadness and suffering. Do you it, really? It might just be that I've been depressed or anxious since I was about, you know, six, seven. Mm -hmm. So like as long as I can really remember. Mm -hmm. uh, my first memories are of fear of being punished or of being um, physically disciplined. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and I just remember being depressed most of my life. My first suicide attempt, I was seven. Mm, wow. So like, yeah, I mean, it's, but I mean, I was also dealing with, you know, my mom saying things like, you know, if you don't do the dishes, I'll kill myself oh. and you know, no one will ever love you. And you get those sorts of messages like repeated to you over and over at a very young age. And like, it makes sense that like you internalize that you're worthless and that you internalize that suicide's an option. Hmm. You know, that's interesting that you brought that up because my dad was your mom. Like, just use suicide as a really bargaining chip. I mean, to be fair to him, and this is me being as generous as I can to him, perhaps he genuinely did have thoughts of suicide. Sure. But there were certain circumstances where we felt, at least, that he was using it as a leverage. I think she was genuinely suicidal. Okay. And both cases are bad. If they're sure, genuinely sure. suicidal, that sucks. And if they want to use it as a power trip, it also sucks. So both yeah. ways suck. But I think in some odd way, I actually went with it in the complete opposite direction. Like, I'm just like, well, no one, like, the people around me, I mean, this guy's nuts. Who does he have the right to tell me what I'm worth? So I'm going to say that I'm worth everything. Like, sure. So then I internalized it as almost like self-aggrandizing confidence. Not, not in like a crazy sense, but I've always had this thing of, you know what, if all the people around me who are supposed to know shit know nothing, then I'm just going to anoint myself the god of my own world. Sure. Why not? Yeah, everyone's the expert of their own experience. Yeah. It's not like my dad knew any better. It's not sure. like my mom knows any better. Yeah, look at where it got him. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'll just put the crown on my own head. Yeah. And in, in some ways, it's interesting that although we had like a similar triggering function, that we had... Really a, different a, coping strategies. Different in the sense that that happened. But I can see some similarities because I, I would say I had ideations of suicide. Sure. But never any actual attempts. I so see. there'd be always these like, oh, fuck, it would be great if you could just like run out in front of a bus. And mine were really bad. Like, why would you run out in front of a bus? Like, that's, that's a bad way to die. No, that's a quick way to die. Is mine were really like good? setting myself on fire. Oh, fuck. Like, mine are so much more like focused on, well, because all of masculinity gets tied into it. Oh. And everyone's saying suicide is a coward's way to die. And I was like, I'll fucking show you. you. Oh, wow. You think suicide's a coward's way to die? I'll only do it when it's the most uncowardly way possible. But then, I mean, to be fair, you can do it, like, in a car. Like, there's ways people do it. Like, maybe sure. I was too young then to think of, like, all of the options or whatever. I feel like Denethor is the best way to go. You light yourself on fire and then you jump off of buildings. There's no chance that if the fire doesn't work, you'll survive it. Oh, my God. Oh, I actually never even thought about that, if the fire... Doesn't fully. Because you have to stay... Too. You have to stay upright, right? If you don't... Sorry, do not take this as an instructional manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need help, please contact someone yes, to get help. for sure. In addition, yes. Denethor. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's really interesting that you would go that route. Because I, I always thought that the bus thing 
was like already like nuts in, in doing because it, it would be painful for that split second and what if you don't die? Honestly, like it's such a split second that like like your chances are your skull's gonna get crushed. Probably. Depending on how hard you're whacked. And brains have a way of clicking off mm. from concussion. Really? Hmm. I mean people don't just faint, they get knocked out. Okay. Yeah, so that... if if it hits you in the head hard enough, you'll be. I honestly believe so long as you have the anatomy right, yeah, yeah, yeah. the trajectory of the accident correct, <laughs> um, yeah, like you'll be knocked out before you even feel anything. I would think. Again, not an endorsement yeah, of no. anyone's strategy, and <laughs> not to say that you should take any of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that I'm here. Yeah. I'm glad I'm still alive right now, mm-hmm. and I think that's gonna persist for 98 or 99 percent of my waking seconds. Mm-hmm. But when you think about that, that's still one second out of every minute and a half where I'm like, ah, I'd rather be dead. Yeah. So, you know, you add those up and it's probably like, you know, a day here, a day there. In fact, I'm probably up to like 99 and a half, 99.95% now mm-hmm. of wanting to be alive. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. And it's also much lower than other humans, I think. I would say so too. I mean, even for me, I would classify myself as a happy person. Mm-hmm. But I think day by day I can go through such big ranges especially Mm -hmm. when I'm in the middle of figuring shit out for myself Mm -hmm. like people always look at me and I've presented two times since I've been back on my trip about like what my life goals were and the funny thing was Mm -hmm. the last one I presented I realized fuck that goal actually seems to have less and less resonating force with me the more that I think about it yeah like it was something too just like oh I have a a goal to travel to all 193 UN countries. And, and then I'm you were on, like, eh. I'm on 93 right now. Cool. And then I was like, oh, I'll probably hit 100 this year. And then for some reason, I started thinking like, oh, something is just, it feels weird. Like something's missing. And mm-hmm. then I actually started like internalizing a lot of stuff. And I, I got dark, dark in a sense that I wasn't feeling good, but not dark in the sense that I was feeling suicidal. And I was like, just something's not working. And I know this about myself is that when my value system is out of, li- out of alignment with my actions, I always feel this way. Right. So it's a warning to me that, okay, something's not right. Purpose and meaning. Yeah, purpose and meaning. And that's fine. Take time to fucking think about what you really yeah. want to do. Because I'm in the luxury of actually being able to author it. Like if I say I want to do it, for me, it's actually already enough that I put in the effort. I've never been a person where like I say 193 and I'm only happy when I reach 193. You literally can rewrite it anytime you want. Yep. And literally it's up to you. Yes. And honestly, whenever I put my mind to making efforts towards that stride, that's all I care about. Like I'm happy. That's where my dopamine hit is. Mm -hmm. And even when I reach the goals, it's like about the same level of happiness as when I decided what the goal was and put all of my effort into it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just been like, okay, I know my methods now and I'm going to allow myself to have this come through me. Like Mm -hmm. arguably you'd say that for the last five years that I've been traveling and I've put that as the number one priority, I never really gave myself time to even have like culture shock and coming back or whatever. Like people say, or reverse culture shock to be more accurate. Sure. Like people say that, oh, I get really down when I come back. And right. I've heard stories about that before. I definitely have had culture have you shock had coming that? back. I have not actually had that until this last trip. And I've been already traveling for five years where I travel three to six months a year. Right. So that's a lot of yep. time abroad, but it's also a lot of time at home. So it's like 50% of your time you're at home. And then this last trip was longer? This last trip was seven months. And I yeah. did it all in one shot. The previous years, what I had done is I did like, let's say 
three two-month trips, two three-month trips, and then I stepped it up to right. seven months, and then I was just like, fuck, like, something happened. I did five and a half months in India, and, like, I really acclimatized. I was living in Chennai. I wasn't really traveling. I was living there, mm -hmm. and I was taking public transit every day to yep. get to my volunteering thing where yep. I was teaching English and... Um, and apparently I got roped into helping with acting because they had like an English play. Wow. So I was helping them do lines and stuff. Yeah. Um, that was really interesting. But um, what was even weirder was they they ended up, because it was an orphanage and um, and primary school, there, there was like this add-on for like teenage girls. So they, there was like a school that was like affiliated and they were the one that needed someone to help them with English lines acting. So I ended up like like volunteering as like um like for an english acting class for a whole bunch of teenage girls and it was so weird like Whoa. just the dynamics culturally that i didn't understand mm -hmm. but in addition as well just being a teenager is so you know um challenging yeah but then also you've got this like person of the opposite sex that's like a grown-up and i was like i'm getting some uncomfortable energy from some of these kids like Wow. It, it it was it was also just kind of like the fascination because like men don't typically work as teachers. Really? Okay. Um, in, there or in general? In India. In okay. India. Um, from my understanding, at okay. least that's what I was told about the South Indian region I was in. So it was kind of weird that they like let me volunteer as a teacher because teachers were 100% women at that school. There wasn't a single other man at the institution, period. Wow. But I was volunteering. Yeah. And they kind of made an exception for me as like a foreigner. And my yeah. mom's Indian, you know, from Chennai. So. Okay. It was just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm a mixed race person that's half from here, but also I was raised in Canada. I was born in Canada. So it's sort of like, it was this weird thing where they're like, yeah, sure. He can come volunteer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We could really use a free English teacher. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking with but, that whole market enterprise. Right. But at the same time, like even some of the new teachers, um, like the ones that were like new to teaching and were younger yeah. would like peek in while I was having lunch just to like, look at me oh, and then they would like creepily like dash out of the way if i looked up it was it was weird like i got some weird energy while i was there but um what so what struck me about the culture shock though was the transit when i came back as soon as i got into the train at at yvr i was like one i was like there is no one on this train where are the humans there was i was i think there was one other person in the entire train car and it felt alien and it felt like almost agoraphobic and i looked out at like the landscape and at the city as we were as I was training back in I was like this is like a one of the bigger cities in in like western Canada yeah and there's nobody here on the line from the airport on extremely expensive like elevated rapid transit yes and I'm literally just going to Bridgeport and switching yeah um, and I was so cold waiting for the train yeah. during the switch that I had to go and buy a, I just bought a sweater wow so I was like yeah, I guess I just don't have any clothes for this weather because, like... That's true. You just came back from I just India. came back from India, and, and I, what I'd done is I'd gone there and gotten, like, an almost new wardrobe because you just spend four bucks per yeah, article yeah, of clothing, yeah. and they just, yeah. like, custom make it to your yes, body, yes, and it yes. feels great. But it's all made with super sheer fabric because it's, like, for 40 degrees Celsius weather. Yes, yes. And the south is the warmest part, so... Wow. Yeah, it's further south than, like, Morocco. Like, it's further south than parts of Africa. That's how far south... Um, the southern tip of India is, though. How long did it take you to feel normalish again? A couple of weeks, probably. Really? Yeah, it was like, it, it gradually went away. But, like, I just remember being intense for the first couple of days. And then it gradually sort of faded over the next week or two. 
The funny thing for me is I was actually okay when I came back for the first, let's say, three months. Really? And then... You started being homesick for a different home. I don't know what happened, but I think it was actually right after I did the presentation where I thought, oh, this is my goal. Right. Then things started to come crashing down. Right. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But also you were like, this was my goal that I was aiming towards. Yeah. And now it isn't anymore. Yeah. What is So who am I and what do I want? Yeah, what do I want? And what am I doing with all this? Like, I know travel and adventure more broadly are always going to be priorities in my life. Mm. But you can define that so differently. Mm. Like, for example, I've been looking even back at my own YouTube channel. I'm like, you know what? Like, I interact a lot with animals. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, me watching myself was like, you know, maybe that's more the direction I want to go in. Like, are there specific animal encounters that I want to do? I did the gorilla trekking in Uganda. And, and your profile picture is you being licked by a giraffe. Exactly. So people would say, well, fuck, I could have told you you liked animals. <laughs> but maybe for me, it's like... Do I want to learn more about them? Do I want to get more into the conservation side? Do have you I want done to do diving with sharks yet? I have done that in Belize. Okay, cool. And that, I would do that again, though. In anywhere. a heartbeat, And yeah. I'm actually going to be learning to scuba dive. So I haven't, and I really want to do it. I wanted, do I'm it. thinking I might even just do the easy trip to Hawaii, even though I know it's expensive. Even hosteling there is like 45 bucks a night. It's yeah. really, And that's the U.S., so it's, it's expensive for me as a Canadian. I've looked into it, and you'd be surprised that I thought that I would pay to go to one of the cheaper countries to do it mm -hmm. but maybe b because it's like patty and they have a monopoly on everything patty's to be honest supposed to be just as good yeah. it's supposed to be just as good anywhere but you're right it's just as expensive anywhere yes so then i actually made a really weird decision to do it here so i'm going to be doing it this summer cool and i've already started pool training awesome yeah and it's been a lot of fun and i think that this is something where okay i'm starting to feel like i have a goal that's mm -hmm. more aligned with me and it's funny where you have to just take time to let it happen. Yeah. And if I had started freaking out, like, why am I feeling this way for three months after feeling so good for so long? Right. You can get yourself into this trap of thinking that you'll always feel happy all the time. Right. But honestly, You're have life is suffering. Life has a lot of suffering in it. I think it's certainly up and down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And while I say that, I always maintain that I know I'm living like a top 1% of lives. Right. You're, so, you're in like a great space yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm in a great space, but that doesn't mean that when I feel sad, that my sadness doesn't feel just as sad as someone If any, has. If anything, more sad, because you have Princess and the Pea, like, yeah, you know, scenario bit, going yeah, on, where yeah. you're just like, this is awful. But maybe, to be honest, the great suffering that people underestimate is the suffering of meaning. Like, when you don't feel like you have <laughs> meaning, it, it, it's... As bad as physical suffering. I think so, too. I, I regularly used to feel like it didn't have meaning. It's nice to have some some feelings of mastery. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to, shout out to my former boss, Rob Mark, mm -hmm. um, for helping invest in this podcast and for helping me get set up doing IT stuff and for encouraging me to start my own company. All of those things have contributed to a great deal of happiness in my life and I think have contributed to reducing depression in my life. That's good. I have had a similar situation too where even though I would say that my YouTube is more of an art project, mm -hmm. just having that expression, and now I got to work more on like the business side, but the expression part has been very helpful. Mm, mm. And I think very little about what would be entertaining to my audience at this point. And mm -hmm. I'm just doing it strictly what feels right and makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe with more time, there'll be better synergy with that. Mm -hmm. But even if with more time there isn't, I'm happy to have made that expressive step. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, awesome. It makes a big difference. So I'm I'm pretty good with where we are in terms of subject matter for wrapping up the podcast shortly. Okay. I did want to add that earlier I'd said um, that I felt like Ben Shapiro was picking and choosing. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to say, like, in the same breath that it's still okay that he does that. Like, it's yeah. still okay that, he, like, I'm not saying he shouldn't espouse mm-hmm. his beliefs. If he believes one thing because he chooses to believe it and there's no rationale behind it, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But just like you with Facebooks and the other giants, I'd rather he just came out and said, mm-hmm. I don't think homosexuality is right. I'm not saying other people should hold that belief. Mm-hmm. But what he says is... I religiously don't think that homosexuality is right. Mm. And using religion as like a false support where like you could make the same argument for slavery, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. That was kind of where I was going. So like he has every right to say, I don't think that homosexuality is moral. And I have every right to say that I don't think him, I, I, that I don't think his clinging to a 2000 year out of date moral system is moral in the present day. Mm-hmm. That it's not right for what I perceive to be the current culture and climate. Wow. But I mean it's neither here nor there. Like, neither one of us is quote-unquote right about that. We're just both making moral judgments. And I think that's the polarization that this conversation has suffered from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the polarization where one side says, you know, like, oh, but there are souls in in these clusters of cells. And then the other side says, um, you know, it's only moral to give everyone the same rights. Mm -hmm. Right? And either way, there are going to be some people that don't believe it's moral for every kind of person to have rights. Yeah, Right. They're going to say homosexuality is immoral and other people are going to say it's immoral to not give everyone the same rights. But because we're looking down our noses at each other, it's always going to be this polarized conversation where we can't find a middle ground, I think. I think it's good to recognize that we all have capacity to do that. Yeah, and that we're doing moral judgment on a liberal side as well, like exactly the same way, even though obviously I believe that's a better moral compass. It doesn't change the fact that we're still looking at it like a moral compass. That's hilarious that you thank you for the liberal. Yeah label on me because in thinking about it i was like wow i've been pretty right leaning like in this and more right leaning than i think i've ever been at one point in time sure but it's been an interesting mental exercise because i can see where people are coming from for example i like again not not, nobody wants to reach into their body and pull shit out whether it's a cell (laughs) i had to think about that sure okay we're talking about abortion again i had to think about that i was like what are we talking about yeah but let's look at ways to help and look more at systemic problems instead of just being like eh, moral judgment this on right, this side or right. that side. And if we can come to some sort of understanding where we say, okay, listen, here's the olive branch. Right. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Nobody wants to rip shit out right. of their body. Let's go backwards and find some middle ground where, would you agree then contraceptives are better than abortion? Right. Maybe you can't get everything you want. And I can't get everything I want. And maybe the middle ground here is something that looks like this. And if you frame it with goodwill on their side, Mm -hmm. you might get somewhere. Like for me, I've always been guilty of being like, fuck you, you're stupid. Like for me, it's always just I'm being an education snob. I'll always just say they're dumb. Right. That's very classist. And and it's like we're all guilty of it. It All of us who have educations are guilty of that at some point. Yeah. It's like, why the fuck do I care about what this dumb Trump voter thinks? Try and have try and have one conversation with someone about something you have a degree in when they don't have a degree in it. And it's very taxing because like there's so there are four years of of understanding or or many, many more where Mm -hmm. like they don't even have the high school education. Like it isn't just four four or five years. They Mm -hmm. also don't have 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. So like you're talking about six years of education of just understanding the principles and basics of how like physics works Mm -hmm. like that's not something you can easily explain to someone necessarily Mm -hmm. 
Um, but even dumb Trump supporter is like, don't get me wrong, I'm so, like, personally, I'm very anti-Trump. But I tend not to say dumb Trump supporter because mm -hmm. I understand that just like there's a range of reasons why people choose to vote any one way, that holds true for Trump supporters as well. Some people may genuinely have said, I thought he was going to be a business person mm -hmm. and I thought he was going to help make the country money and I thought that politics and political correctness get in the way of profit. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like, I can't... I can't fault you for an amoral judgment, yeah. right? Yeah. Even if that person had no interest in saying no immigrants can come in mm -hmm. or had no interest in saying like white supremacy should gain public support. Mm -hmm. like those, So there's, a, there's such a wide range of why people vote for any one figure that I try not to stereotype them because it makes it so easy to just say they're all dumb. And, yeah. <clears throat> and again, that makes it hard to understand them. At the same time, I would really avoid compromising on something like the bodily autonomy of women. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like... That's a sign qua non. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have a conversation about society. I mean, I'll have the conversation, mm -hmm. but I would never concede that it's that we should live in a society where women don't have the right to choose. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when I'm having that conversation, I'm going to hold space for people to disagree with me. Yeah. So people can say, you know, like ab abortion's wrong mm -hmm. and then absolutely have the conversation you're having. Well, what about contraceptives? Would you say that they're a better alternative? Because what you're doing is trying to help them work through cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a service to society when you do it. Yeah. Especially when you do it with compassion. At the same time, I would never compromise and say, yes, I agree with a society where I get part of what I want when part of what I want is like the right for a woman to have control of her body. Maybe I'm going out on a limb here. I'm hoping that they're going to come to their senses. And I also think when I add an olive branch, it does maybe tend to I'm soften being people. naive, but I don't know that all of them are anti-women. I think I think you're both right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might I be hope being, they're not. I, no, I mean, I think you're being a little naive okay. in that they're going to come around because <laughs> it is a religious conviction. And I also think when you add an olive branch, you get a lot of social capital for that. People who are staunchly in one position are often not used to people giving them an olive branch. Mm -hmm. And so long as you're not literally talking about making decisions for society, give them an olive branch. Yeah. Right? I hope that, they, that they'll be able to see a middle ground there because if you extend the olive branch... A little bit hopefully they'll be able to see that a woman's right to choose has to be there and instead yeah. of trying to hack that at the knees let's actually hack the problem at the knees yeah let's actually is, talk about yeah. why women let's try to prevent this. abortion in the first place sure but without making it illegal yeah 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 that, that's exactly thank you for clarifying yeah. that let's try to prevent it without making it illegal yeah and that's where we actually both sides do agree right we don't want it to be the default that people are doing it like right it's in fact i don't think yeah. any pro quote-unquote pro-abortion yeah. folks would in any way say abortion's a good thing yeah. they just believe the right to have an abortion yeah. is a good thing and i agree and i agree with you that mm -hmm. prevention is key and i think i i strongly disagree with a lot of pro-life supporters that are abstinence only in their education because it's a flawed paradigm mm -hmm. like capital punishment in texas didn't cure murder yeah. And if you can't learn from that example, I don't know what example I could give, mm -hmm. you know? I wonder, too, when people have maybe more exposure to ideas that are not dogmatic, mm -hmm. will that help them understand? Because people come We have to teach critical ideas. thinking, yeah. though. And we don't teach critical thinking yeah. well, I don't believe. Or maybe human beings... I think we, we try and teach it like through the way we teach other things, and I don't know that we always do. I think some schools teach it well. I've, I've had some teachers anyway, mm -hmm. but those are the exception, not the rule in my opinion. 
my undergrad was in electrical engineering so i'm like hardcore logical dogmatic like this is just the way we do it and there are reasons yeah and that's why the reasons are important though right which is understanding the principles understanding it from first principles whatever the first principles are at least for yourself have some and even if let's say i would like them based in the scientific reality but i agree like even i don't have the knowledge to have it all based scientifically sure and sometimes i'm going to get myself into situations where for example we had the conversation about freedom of speech extending to companies Mm -hmm. emotionally i feel like there's something in me that says something has to work out there but i do agree with your situation of then does it become compelled speech right on a business where we're forcing businesses to associate with brands they don't want to associate with exactly so then i have to go back and think okay emotionally there's something there in me reacting mm. do i have an evidence-based approach right so then that's I'm super critical thinking. thinking about that and i will definitely have because for me freedom of speech is such a big part of my life that it's worth exploring okay what are the delineations and what are the structures that we want to go forward in having these kinds of conversations be funny entertaining but also educational where if somebody hears this conversation that we're having they're not like picking on okay they use this blah 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 but it's like okay underlying all of that we see that these obviously at least seem like two people who want to have a conversation yeah. and not trying to be right, quote unquote. Totally. I mean, I definitely fail sometimes ah, in that I, I very mean, much like being right. But I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Yep. But then you'll also know that... I'll still consider, yeah, I'll yeah, still exactly, consider what yeah. you're saying and exactly. I'll consider it through the very strongest lens that the two of us can come up with for that. Exactly, yes. And that's, mm. I think, the very best that we can offer at least an attempt to see it through the strongest lens. Exactly. I agree. I think it's the best we can offer. Yeah. And hopefully if people move more towards that direction, we can make some headway. I think we've already made tons of headway with people having these kinds of conversations. Yeah. And even having these conversations and giving yourself the right to have your own freedom of speech too, because sometimes Mm -hmm. people self-censor a lot. Sure. Actually, not sometimes. A lot of times, maybe self-censorship is the problem. Even socially. And this tends to happen with how polarized we're becoming that we want to fit into our Mm in-group. But I think we should end this podcast here because I need to use the washroom. Okay, yeah, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Sounds good, sounds good. (laughs) So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or directly on patreon.com slash victor salmon. Both communities are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Disclaimer. I apologize if I said something that hit a nerve or played off a hateful idea or stereotype. I'm open to being called in. Chances are, in six months, I'll look back aghast and see something problematic I've since grown from. I'm certainly not perfect, but I am trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. You can email feedback to podcast at victorsalmon.com. Thanks for your kindness. Attribution. The tracks I use are published under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The intro track was Lost Souls by Portrayal, and the outro track was Restoration by Uncle Milk. Land Acknowledgement. I apologize first for any pronunciations I might butcher. I wanted to acknowledge that I recorded this podcast on the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Stazuminas, Stolo, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. 
Shout out to the Sequepmec Nation, on whose land I got my degree, considering the Kamloops Indian Residential School closed only in 1996 when I was 10, I have found nothing but unending patience and kindness in the Tekemloops Te Sequepmec folks with whom I've interacted. Let's never forget genocide in the hope we don't make the same dehumanizing, cruel mistakes again. Thank you.